This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Well, I'm very proud of my family heritage, the Allison family. I have researched some of the genealogy. I've heard the stories. I'm one of those in our family who kind of accumulates documents and keeps those that pass down to future generations. Uh, my great-great-grandfather was, uh, was a twin, and he served uh, in the Civil War in North Carolina, but his twin brother served the Union, and he served the Confederacy. It's just a really amazing story. Uh, my grand, my grand, great-grandfather, one of the first residents of Dallas, Texas, just a great family heritage. But Though I'm proud of the Allison family, that is a very unfortunate last name when you're 11 years old. Uh, Because when I was 11, I started going to public school for the first time. I used to go to these smaller Christian schools, and I went to public schools because I wanted to be part of the athletic programs there that were very advanced uh, in North Texas. And uh, we started playing football in seventh grade. And what they would do, because they had tons of kids out, is that on the helmet, they would put a piece of tape on the helmet and they'd put your last name. And so the coaches loved screaming out, Allison, give me 10 push-ups!" or Allison, run to the, you know, the goalpost and back. And so uh, all of that happened. It was just a term, even though it was my last name, they loved to use that term in, in kind of a derogatory way. Don't hit like it's Alice in Wonderland. I heard that several times. And so uh, when school started uh, and I would walk the hallways, uh, all of my teammates didn't know my name was Aaron. They'd call me Allison. And when you're 11 or 12 years old, that is a devastating reality. Uh, And I remember even some of the girls saying, why do you have a name like Allison? I'd be like, well, it's my last name. It's not my first name. And that whole stigma uh, I lived with all through my formative years. And now I'm just dealing with my son, Luke, who's nine years old. And he said, I hate my last name. So he's already going through this a little bit. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm counseling him and telling them all our wonderful family stories. Uh, But it's interesting how uh, names can start out good and then they could become, uh, uh, they can uh, turn into a derogatory name or it can work the opposite. And the passage we're going to look at today We're going to discover a city called Antioch, and it is significant to our faith because Antioch was the first place where we were called Christians. As we're going and we're looking at different cities that are significant to us in the Bible, I have looked forward to sharing with you about Antioch. Because Antioch's not a city that you just necessarily hear a whole lot about, but I think that it's one of the most formative cities of our faith. In fact, if if I'm thinking of a of a church that reflects America and the American church, the church that was located at Antioch seems to be the closest parallel that we have to the church we are part of today here in the United States of America. Let's go to Acts chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse 19. In Acts chapter 11, verse 19, it tells us about this city. Now, up until this point in the book of Acts, everything had been Jerusalem-centered. We're going to talk about Jerusalem next week. But everything had been Jerusalem-centered. And in fact, our faith was very Jerusalem-centered. Christianity up in that point was only a sect of Judaism. And let's never forget that we have sprung from Judaism. We have sprung from the Jewish faith. And certainly, 
during those early years of Christianity, when the Romans looked at those who followed Jesus, who followed the way, they didn't look at a separate religion like we divide it today. They looked at it was just another branch of Judaism. And that's really true. So now, starting in Acts uh, 11, starting with verse 19, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, that was in Acts chapter 7. Remember that Stephen was persecuted. He was killed. So now, though we're several chapters later, he's shifting, Luke is shifting to talk about now the city of Antioch. And he reminds us that Stephen was killed. After Stephen was killed, the church scattered. And they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. But here's a great thing. Telling the message only to Jews. Now, here is an important verse in your Bible for you and for me. Verse 20. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus, which was a nearby island, I'll show you in a second, and Cyrene, which was northern Africa, they went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Up until this point, the message of Christ was only for the Jewish people. But now we see an amazing thing happen at Antioch is that some people who didn't know any better, they didn't know that the message of Jesus was just supposed to be for the Jews. They were from Cyprus. They were from Cyrene. They went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Now, here's the important part. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. So now here it is. Jerusalem up to this point had been the center of the way. But something was happening in Antioch. In Antioch, people who didn't know any better was sharing the message of Christ, not just with the Jewish people, but with the Greeks also, with the Gentiles. And God's hand was with them. And now the news spread to Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now, why was that a good decision? Because Barnabas was from the nearby island of Cyprus. So they thought, well, who would make sense to go to Antioch? Why don't we send someone who knows the culture, who knows some of the people there, and who is going to be comfortable in a multicultural atmosphere. All right. Is everybody awake during this 9 a.m. service? Can you say, oh, yeah? All right. Thank you. I'm having a good time up here, but I'm like, I'm looking. Are you with me? It will get interesting. Verse 23. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were This is a phrase here now. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. We'll look at that a little bit later in the teaching. They were called Christians first at Antioch. Notice that Barnabas went and he found Saul, brought Saul, being Paul, to Antioch. And there, there was great growth among the people. They grew 
Not just numerically, but they grew in depth. And God did a great work there. And one thing I've learned through the series is that my wife, Beth Allison, loves maps. I did not know that about her. So um, she's like, are you going to have a map? So for those of you who don't like maps, bear with me, but let's have a little bit of fun with this. So we know what's going on. I know the resolution here is not perfect, but I love this one because it shows Italy. Here's the center of the world, Rome. Here is Antioch, located here in Syria. Now, today, this is actually the very southern tip of Turkey. Right here is Cyprus, which is very close. This was where Barnabas was from. Barnabas was from Cyprus. So after, let's go to the next map. After uh, Stephen was persecuted and the church began to spread, you can see here's Jerusalem down here. Here's Israel. People begin to spread all over the area. They, some of them came to Cyprus. Some of them came as far north as Antioch. The people from Cyprus came on over to Antioch and there they began to preach to Greeks, not just to Jews, but to Greeks also. So I want us to learn some lessons from Antioch today. On the back of your bulletin is a chance for you to uh, take notes. And we're going to learn some things about Antioch that are going to apply to North Nashville. And subsequently, they're going to apply to you because you live in North Nashville. And so it's going to mean something to you. The first thing I want you to write down is this, is that Antioch was ready. Antioch was ready. And now I want to talk to you a little bit about the history of this city. This city was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was behind Rome, behind Alexandria, and number three was Antioch. So I want us to think Chicago. We had here in America, we got New York, LA. Number three is Chicago. Only number three in population. Chicago is a hub of everything you could think of, of the arts of the whole Midwest, of the of industry. And so it was, where Antioch was located, it was a very multicultural city. And we're finding out as we look at these different cities that a multicultural city is a fantastic opportunity for the gospel to spread. And here's the reason why. You had people living in Antioch who were from India. You had people who were from North Africa. You had people who were from the Roman Empire. Uh, excuse me, that was Roman Empire from Rome. You had all these different people accumulated in this third largest city of the empire. So there wasn't one religion that dominated. You know, often when you look at regions of the world, or regions of the country, certain areas dominate. Up in the northeast of our nation, there's more congregational churches. Uh, there's more uh, Episcopal churches. There's more Catholic churches. Here in Middle Tennessee, it's a lot of Southern Baptists and Church of Christ. Church, the Church of Christ started in this region. The Southern Baptists have their worldwide headquarters in downtown Nashville. So you have a lot of churches uh, with uh, those backgrounds here in Middle Tennessee. But in Ephesus, excuse me, uh, Antioch was different because there wasn't one religion that dominated. There were many, many religions. And because of this, those who followed pagan gods were attracted to Judaism. They were attracted to the moral ethics of Judaism. Because we know that what God established in the law and the Ten Commandments has been the basis of all Western society. We know that there's just something that reigns true in our hearts. We want morality. We want standards. We want boundaries. And because of that, 
many, many uh, people were attracted to Judaism and they would, uh, they would come and either sympathize with that religion or become proselytes, uh, even though they weren't part of the Jewish race. They were following the morality and the ethical codes that sprung from Judeo values. So all of this created an incredible atmosphere for the gospel. It created an incredible chance for the gospel to spread. You see, God is not a God of accidents. He is provident. He is sovereign. And if you look back at Acts 7 sometimes, and you see what appears to be a really dark chapter in the history of our church, when persecution came and a great church leader in Stephen was executed and the church had to scatter. You know, I'm sure for those early Christians, they thought, oh, wouldn't it be great just to stay here in Jerusalem? And and let's just establish his kingdom here. And let's create a culture and society where God is exalted and Jesus is exalted. But it didn't work out that way because persecution happened. And they scattered throughout the empire. But wherever they scattered, something incredible happened. Now, I'll tell you that God was at work in Antioch. He was preparing it. Now, let me just give you the end of that story and then we'll go back to the text. Uh, This area was... You say, well, if Antioch was so big in that day, obviously Rome and Alexandria are are still significant cities. Well, what happened was it was in an area prone to earthquakes. So a devastating earthquake happened around 527, and the city was never quite the same since then. But at this time of this writing, hundreds of thousands of people lived there. They think up to half a million people live there. All different types of religions. And God was setting the stage and he was preparing them for the gospel to be advanced. Now, what does that mean to us today? You're like, okay, Aaron, I'm glad you're getting to practice being an AP history teacher in front of us all. It means something very significant today. It means that here in North Nashville, God is doing something. He's setting the table for something unique. And he's invited us to be part of that. And we are part of creating God's story for this century in this area. We we are on mission from God. We are on, on assignment from God. He has us here for a particular reason. And I personally believe that we live in an area that is very ripe and fertile and ready for God to do something special and unique. I don't believe God is raising up so many significant churches in our region and in our area simply so we can make Christians feel good about themselves. I believe that he is wanting high numbers of people to come to know Jesus and he's wanting us to impact the world from this area. You know, there's a reason why the state of Iowa has more, uh, more corn and more farming production than any other area of our nation. The reason is, is it, it has more grade A soil than anywhere else in North America. Because the soil is different in different parts of our nation. And so it was here that in Antioch, the soil was really good and it was really ready and the soil was prepared. And I want you to discern what God is doing here. What's the soil of our community? You see, you and your participation in the community, your participation in the work of God here 
makes a huge difference. That's why Friday at noon, when we had just a handful of us gather here for encounter, oh, there was, there were, our numbers were few, but our impact was high. Why? Because we're help, helping to create the soil. We're helping to get this church in this region ready for everything God wants to do. That's why your participation in this church, your giving, your service, your prayer for this church, your love, it makes a significant difference. You're part of God's story. See, we don't know the names of the people that were in Antioch. We don't know the names of the people that came from that little island of Cyrene and came to Antioch and decided we have to start telling the Greeks about Jesus. But you and I wouldn't be Christians today if it were not for them. Antioch was ready. Something special was happening there. Not every area, not every area is fertile. Not every area is ready. You see, I just got back from Turkey in the month of May. Tough soil right now. Slow progress. Low data. High discouragement among the missionaries there, even though they are amazing people. It's tough right now to get a convert in Turkey. It's tough right now to plant a church in Turkey. We can't disregard those people. We have to continue to pray. We're discerning from the Spirit our future participation there. But there's good news because I want to tell you about another place that's very fertile right now where the soil is good. That could be another Antioch that you probably aren't aware of. And that's the nation of Iran. Yeah, I said it right. Iran, the axis of evil. And it is true that their government is evil. But their people are not. They're lovely people. And there's an incredible... There's a credible house church movement happening in Iran right now. I got to personally meet some of these brave pastors. And I looked them in the eye and I heard their story through an interpreter. Knowing they were coming to Istanbul, Turkey to be trained, to be sent back to Iran. Knowing that eventually they would be arrested. But that has not stopped the gospel from spreading. And the people of Iran, he told us, love America. The people of Iran love what's happening here. The media, according to these individuals I met, the media wants us to think that all the people over there hate America. But that's not necessarily true, according to this one source, the, these, these pastors I met with. Instead, God is spreading the church. And right now, Iran is ready. It's ready and there's ministries that we can partner with and we can help so we can see that house church movement continue to spread because the, the gospel will be spread. Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that what happened is this. This church that was birthed 15 years ago in 1996 did not respond to the population of Hendersonville. There, 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 there is, we think that, well, let's see where population growth is and let's put a church there. I believe it's backwards. I believe God in his sovereign will sees where people will gather. And because of that, he knows where he wants to locate a church. And he begins to accumulate people to serve the church and to be part of the church. In other words, in God's sovereign will... Church placement is not a response to growth. He is sending growth because he's building his church. I believe that. And I believe that 
There's a reason why in 2011 and 2012 and 2013, you're going to be living in this region, in this area, and that God's called to be part of this church because he's building his church. I believe that there are some things that are ready. They're ready right here in Hendersonville. He wants to do a great work. Here's the second thing. Antioch was receptive. Antioch was receptive. They were ready for everything God was going to do, and, but they were receptive to how he wanted to move. Let's look again at verse 22. It says, news of this reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Here it was, people who were receptive to the gospel. And I wonder too, I think that we both as individuals and as a city, as a church, you know, that we can resist God's plan. With the free gifts of free will that he's given us, we can say no to him. We can say no to what he has. But when we have sensitive hearts that are receptive to everything he wants, I want to ask you this morning, is your heart receptive? Is your heart sensitive? You see, God had prepared the people of Antioch so they were ready so that they could receive. But it wasn't just about the people who received the gospel. It was also about the people who were receptive to speak the gospel. And I think about Barnabas. Barnabas was a right man. And God sent Barnabas at the right time. And they chose to send Barnabas. But I, w- I want you to re- remember something that happened in Acts chapter 9. That after Saul, this is Acts chapter 9, after Saul, who had persecuted the church, after he had come and become a Christian, not everybody there would receive that. And it says, when, this is Acts chapter 9, verse 26. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas, remember this, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So at one time, Barnabas had stood up for for Paul and he had said, God has a plan for Paul. We don't need to be afraid of him. Now, Barnabas had been sent up to Antioch. And here it was in this huge city that, that many people were coming to the Lord. And he said, how can I reach these people? Let's go back to Acts 11. Look what verse 25. This is Acts 11, verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. You want to talk about being receptive to the Spirit's leading. We all talk about Paul and what a great man of faith he was. But maybe there wouldn't have been a Paul if there hadn't been a Barnabas. A Barnabas who went to Antioch and saw something he had never seen before. He saw Greek people coming to Jesus Christ. And he said, I have to help. I have to have help in this. The church of Jerusalem was scared of Paul. But Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. That word look, if you look at the tense of that, it means to search for. So it probably, they didn't have yellow pages or internet or cell phones. So it probably took him a while. And verse 26, and when he found him... He brought him to Antioch for a whole year. Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples are called 
Christians first at Antioch. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. Is Antioch was responsive. It was ready. It was receptive. And it was responsive. And that's where God wants us to be today. He's prepared North Nashville. He's prepared the church of Indian Lake. And hopefully that we, we are responding to that with our participation in his plan. But now we have to be responsive. What happened in Antioch was amazing. This is why I love this city. Antioch became Paul's home church. And all three of the missionary journeys that Paul began, it began in Antioch. Antioch, not Jerusalem. Antioch was a sending church. From Antioch, the gospel spread throughout the empire. Why? Because God had made that city ready. And that city had been responsive. And they were responsive to what God had to say. Look with me at, at chapter... Bear with me. Chapter 13. Chapter 13, Acts 13. And now we see this. In the church at Antioch, this is verse 1. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, Lucius. Lucius was from Cyrene, that island I pointed out earlier. Then list another person. And Saul, who we know as Paul. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. It was a sending church. They responded to the gospel because they knew, they knew that they must tell others about Christ. You can read on from verse four beyond. They actually went back to that original island where the gospel had first spread to them. So here we are today. Here we are today. What can we learn from Antioch? We can learn that your life, whatever you do, if I, if I can start listing a bunch of occupations here and I wouldn't hit every list, but your life is significant into the kingdom. You see, we know a few names in the Bible. We do. We know a few names in the Bible. The names that I just read up here, the names that were listed. We know some of these names, but there's more names that we have no idea what the name is. We have no idea the names of the people, but they were all part of God's mission. They were all part of God's plan. And someday when those people who are unnamed in this life stand before the Lord, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done because you have accomplished my will and purposes. You were open. You were responsive. You heard my voice and you did what I called you to do. I love the church in Antioch because it gives us a great purpose here in Hendersonville. It gives us a great purpose at the church at Indian Lake. It makes us realize that God can take one church and he can change the whole, the whole course of Christianity. God can take one church and he can change the whole course of, of an empire and a nation. And I believe that he can do that among us. And I believe that God is getting things ready. You see, I've dealt with this issue. I, I, I'm hoping that God lets me save this church for many, many years. And the question is, why God? I mean, I, I love it. I'm comfortable. 
take, you guys take care of me. I live in a great city. It's a great place to be. But you see, it's not about those kind of personal uh, comforts. It's about in the time that you give me here, Lord, how can my life make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God? See, that's what I want. And I want you to want that too. I want you to want that too. Your life can make a huge impact. You see, we can be a sending church. I believe that with all my heart, that we will lay hands on those and we will commission them and we will send them out. We've done it at a smaller measure. It's going to come in a greater measure to plant churches at places where there is no gospel representation. I believe God can help us do that by his power, by his word. Let's stand together to release your seed to the Lord. I don't want you to fear that question because God's will is always the best for your kids. For my three kids, I don't even sense anything specific about that. I don't, I don't sense him applying that right now to Abby or to Luke or to Lincoln. I don't know. That's up to him. But I see, I sense him as a faith community, as a church, saying, can we have a yes in our heart that we would raise up, we would disciple, and we would send that we wouldn't just live for our own self-interest and our own dream and our own vision, but we would be like those brothers and sisters who were in Antioch in that first century, who we would break earthly rules because we don't know any better, that we would share the gospel with those who haven't heard. Father, get us ready. Let's just be still before the Lord and just allow him to speak to us just for a moment here. left together the time to consecrate ourselves to seek the Lord to ask the Lord Lord would you use me some of you when you reflect on God using you all you see is sin in your life and I want to tell you that the Jesus you serve is here right now and he said he is faithful and just to forgive you this is a place of forgiveness. This is a place of redemption. The cross is a place to be forgiven. And if you believe Jesus, you have direct access to the Father. You don't have to go through me. I'm not your priest. 
you're part of the priesthood of believers. That means anytime you call upon the name of Jesus, he's right there. He's right there to forgive your sins. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So there's no reason today to let sin hinder any longer that which God has called you to do. Yes, there's consequences of sin. Yes, sin takes us down roads that would be better if we never went on. But sin does not eradicate the call of God. It just redefines it because his mercies are new every morning. His forgiveness is new today. And he's here for you. He's here for you. So what we're going to do is... Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.